the world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. Screenlight.tv is a video review and approval service for the post-production industry. Post-production teams can now easily share videos and production files with clients worldwide. Utilize their project management and team collaboration tools that include asset management, frame-accurate video feedback, proactive security, and more. All at a price that won't break your production's budget. Use the video review and approval service trusted by post professionals throughout the world. Screenlight.tv Screenlight.tv Upload anything, get feedback, and finish projects faster. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, I'm your host Gordon Burkell, and this episode we have Michael Kamez talking about his new show, five things series and you can get that at five things series.com and it's the number five not the spelt out five and we did this interview over the phone so michael's gonna sound like he's on the phone and we discuss how he approaches cutting the show but also more importantly the ideas that he's putting forward to the audience so take a moment and enjoy this episode and then afterwards we're going to talk about the updates to the assembly you should be seeing the new assembly magazine in your inbox. If you haven't signed up, you can go to aotg.com assembly and you'll get great articles like the changing world of teaching post, uh, the psychology of editing rooms and more. But in the meantime, enjoy my interview with Michael Comez. Tell me a bit about yourself and your, your background in the industry, just so people are aware. Well, uh, I began as a creative, went to college to pursue sound editing and sound mixing back in the late 90s, and tooled around doing that around the Midwest for several years in the Chicagoland area, but there really wasn't a lot of work, and kind of a tech geek, kind of nerd inclined, and I found myself interested in the technology behind the creation. So I began working for several what they call resellers which are uh, you know, technology partners that will build the technology solutions that are needed for media creation. Um, so instead of just buying from the manufacturers, you can buy turnkey solutions or complicated solutions from resellers. So I worked for several resellers in the Midwest and kind of moved my way up from being an entry-level technician to a uh, trainer, to a dental person, to a uh, technical consultant, and now I'm the director of technology uh, at Keycode Media out here in Burbank. Wow, and and how did the five things come about? This show that you're you're working on. A couple different reasons. First off, uh, as I mentioned, uh, I was a creative to start with, so I needed something as a kind of an outlet. And because my role on a day to day basis is more technical, uh, being able to kind of go back to my roots and and be able to marry the creative and the technical, I was very appealing. Also. Whenever you see technology videos or technology articles, a lot of times there's an agenda behind them, whether it be to sell a product, whether it be to uh, get you to click on an ad. You know, there's always some kind of 
reasoning behind it that may not be as transparent. You know, marketing obviously has their own agenda in mind. Sales has their own agenda in mind. And by doing this, I'm be able to, I can have education in mind first and foremost. And because I've had my hand in a lot of different areas, whether it be sales or marketing or technical, I kind of can see the, the industry as a whole. And I think that gives me a very unique perspective on, be able, on being able to share these technologies with the general public because I am looking at it from a, a, a kind of a unique angle uh, and without any uh, agenda behind it other than education and, and pure creativity. Well, I was going to say, you're, you in, enjoy exploring this technology because even with uh, your proposal to your wife and your uh, wedding, you had you were exploring how to use this technology constantly, like different devices and what have you. There, there's a couple different reasons for that. It's, you know, second of all, that's part of my lifeblood is being technical and being geeky and trying new things. Second of all, if I'm choosing, uh, you know, as part of my uh, career path, to work with creatives and to work with people who are making the content that we enjoy on a daily basis, I need to understand the pains they're going through. So that's why I was able. That's why I do some of these projects using technology that's out there. So instead of just talking about it, I'm you know in it. When it comes to five things, I've actually uh, for the first uh, uh, four episodes, the first three I cut on three different editing systems just because I, I wanted to make sure that, hey, I still have the chops to use them. I could make an informed decision as to what I was going to use uh, downwind of that. So being able to stay in the industry and stay with the boots on the ground, I think keeps me kind of grounded and stops me from making assumptions because I'm out of touch. What was the reason behind choosing specifically five things for each episode? From a marketing perspective, obviously, you know, lists are, are what's the, the hot thing right now, whether it be BuzzFeed or whether it be any of these websites that want to convey something uh, in a quick and easy format. And I think often when you see a, a article topic, it could be link bait. And, and so I figured why, why play with people like that? Why not just tell them up front, hey, I'm going to tell you five things. And it kind of gives them an expectation of how things are going to be presented and how things are going to be laid out. And I think it makes it digestible. So I thought that would be a good way to push the series. Now you mentioned sort of the marketing thing, the five, five things, but I also noticed that you're episodes are kept very tight and short so they don't like I've seen some where it just keeps going and going and going uh, did you do research into um, viewership and how viewers play off of or you know length of time that a viewer will be watching videos like this well luckily because we've been uh, consuming media on a more uh, frequent basis the average viewing time of, of videos such as these have gone up from you know only a few minutes to now with these uh, you know longer pieces we can go upwards of five six seven sometimes in some cases even ten minutes however what I decided to do is there are a multitude of uh, fantastic trainers and fantastic how-tos on how to use software out there. And I didn't want to recreate that. Uh, I can't train better on Final Cut than Larry Jordan. I can't train better on metadata than, than Philip Hoggett's. So I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm going to kind of market to a different type of uh, uh, person out there who, who traditionally has already a strong foundation. So I can talk about topics and not have to go extraordinarily deep because they already have the basic foundation of that technology and I think that that's what sets it apart from most well what, what blew me away was <laughs> watching them it's like it's five things but then every single you get the the headers explaining things and then you go 
into so much de- detail that it's more like 30 things, but really it's under five headings because uh, he gives <laughs> so much information in it. No, it's just like, that's crazy in six well, minutes, you know, or seven minutes. What I'm, what I'm really interested in doing is um, not only for the people that I've never met, uh, the people who are just searching and finding us online, but, you know, this industry is very tight and very, uh, not, I don't want to say incestual, but it's, it's very close-knit. And uh, I want, I would want to do something that my contemporaries and the other trainers I work with and the other technologists that I work with, I would want them to see it and say, oh, okay, yeah, you know, I, I agree with what he's saying. His technical points are right on and he gives me something to think about. So I, I kind of use that as the benchmark as to how much information to put on there. You know, if I was watching something that an, another technologist in the industry did, what what would be my tolerance? What could I handle in terms of length, in terms of information? And I kind of use that as a guideline for how much I should put in mine. One of the things that keeps the episode moving forward is your cutting style, right? So it is like this heavy amount of technical information that for a lot of people could be um, hard to digest, but you've created or you've utilized sort of the style of editing to engage people. I was wondering if you could tell us about it and sort of explain how you came to that sort of style. So I have the closed captioning, obviously, and I have the, the blog post, but I wanted to make it less of a rant and I wanted to make the pieces less of a uh, manual and so I decided to interject something that was a little bit more personal. And, uh, you know, as a latchkey kid, uh, I grew up on television and movies. And I decided what better way to, you know, put my own fingerprint on an informational series than to use these, these forms of media that I grew up on to kind of punctuate or accentuate uh, the things that I might say. You may have some readers that may remember a series that I, you know, kind of grew up on in my formative years called Dream On uh, on HBO. And you may remember that um, uh, to punctuate a comedic moment or the inner workings of the main character's mind, they would cut away to an older movie, black and white movie, and a line of dialogue. And uh, I thought that was just a a fantastic way to break things up um, and add a little levity to the situation. And with the advent of shows that can do cutaways now, whether it be Family Guy or whether it be, you know, these other shows that do cutaways, um, it it seems a motif that people can relate to. It also gives me a reason to cut. (laughs) Otherwise, (laughs) I may just go on a rant for uh, 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is I was re-watching the videos and I saw uh, Terry or Terrence Curran's post under your 4K about how it was the the whole system is a manipulation of the masses or whatever to buy new four stuff and uh, just watching the comments themselves were quite uh, engaging. I think they should be incorporated into uh, the smash cuts. Well, I I plan on doing something like that. I, I, as the audience grows and I start getting more questions that I can answer, um, I plan on incorporating that into the different episodes because, you know, four of these episodes were shot before I even uh, released the first one. It was kind of there in a vacuum, so it was a little bit more difficult to incorporate that. But over the past couple of weeks, I've started to get questions, and I can start incorporating those uh, into it. You may have seen that um, I'm incorporating kind of a unique technology on my website from a company called Revelance, where it's essentially video bookmarking. You know, you can you can watch the video, you can click on something that you may find interesting, and instead of disrupting the video experience, it simply gives you a bookmark. And at any time, you can look at those bookmarks, and it gives you contextual links to other websites. For example, I may show a movie clip, and when you click on that, you now have links at the bottom towards a blooper reel for that film, 
or famous quotes from that film, or from talking about Codex. You now have links to what is ABC, uh, links to what you know what is QuickTime, and I believe that that's a way of expanding the knowledge that I'm trying to share into external websites, which are giving other viewpoints. And so everything that people can learn isn't just contained to what I'm trying to tell them. And and how do you determine what uh, what your episodes are going to be? Because you were um, like the you have these clicks here, you have the comments uh, now, but when you started, how did you figure out what topics? to start with? Through Keycode, I do quite a number of speaking engagements and I'm, I'm talking with clients on a, on a daily basis and there's common threads of questions that come up often. So I use that as kind of the foundation. I also wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to uh, do episodes that were not only conceptual-based, 4K, uh, but also that were product-centric, like Nexidia, uh, which is coming out tomorrow, because I wanted to see if I could formulate an episode on both of those. So uh, I'm going to continue down the road of, of utilizing my, my foundation at, at, at Keycode as far as what people are asking, but I'm hoping that I continue to get inquiries from viewers. So again, I'm not operating in a vacuum, and I can start doing episodes based on what they want to hear about. And so how can our listeners see your shows? Well, uh, fivethingsseries.com, and that's the number fivethingsseries.com. You can also go to my YouTube. Uh, I'm on YouTube as well, uh, and all the videos are, are there. Um, and uh, if you follow me on, uh, on Facebook or Twitter, we have uh, a website, or we have a Facebook page and a Twitter page uh, for that as well. Okay, fantastic. And I have one last question that I ask everyone uh, that I interview, sure. and that's what's your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? Oh, that's that's a good one. Probably Breakfast Club. Oh, great, great film. Probably Breakfast Club. In fact, I'm I'm kind of saving, you know, a clip from the Breakfast Club as to as for a cutaway for a five things series episode, just because I want to make sure to choose the right one. But uh, being from uh, Chicago suburbs. Uh, and that movie being popular, you know, when I was a kid, that's definitely my guilty pleasure. That's fantastic. So that was my interview with Michael. We have the next issue of The Assembly out, and you can check that out at aotg.com assembly. And in it, we talk from everything from the psychology of the cutting room to the ways we're teaching post-production and how that needs to change, uh, everything like that. So go to aotg.com assembly. So with that said, I'd like to thank Andrea Elijah for cutting this. I'd like to thank Michael Comez for joining me. And of course, my producer, Lauren Woodcock. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.